Hi there, Glocal citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I am your host, Florence Adu, and I'm coming to you from an Accra afternoon. You know, it's so interesting, and I just have to share this because as the holidays approach, some interesting things are happening. So all day long, I was listening to this crying. It was like, and first I thought it was a little kid, one of the little kids in the neighborhood, just kind of making noise. No, folks, it's a goat that's been bleating all day long. And so I keep thinking to myself, what we do for the holidays just to kind of feed our people. And that's a whole nother story, but that's my neighborhood insight for today. The goats, they they do come to feed families and, and that's what's going on. So so yeah, I just wanted to share that, it's interesting. But let's get to our conversation because I think this is maybe something that my guest also might know about because he's not far from where I am in the region. He is a winner of the CNN Multi-Choice African Journalist Award in Tourism Reporting. In late 2019, he was named the best travel journalist in Nigeria by Nigeria Travel Week. He has a keen interest in promoting local and international awareness of Nigerian arts, culture, and traditional architecture, among other national assets, especially as they relate to or impact on domestic tourism. His writings have appeared in The Sunday Mirror, Lonely Planet, Kinfolk, World Policy Journal, Africa Today, Africa in Words, Logel, 234 Next, and The Sowetan, among many others. He has published five travel books, all focused on his experiences traveling in Nigeria and Africa. He is currently at work on a documentary on one of Africa's pioneer indigenous missionaries and first Black Bishop of the Anglican Church, Samuel Ajayi Crowther, and that was from 1809 to 91. When he's not traveling or writing, he divides his time between attending creative arts events in Lagos or working as a city guide to tourists. Pelu Awofeso, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Florence. It's so good to have this conversation with you, and it feels good to listen to a bit of my bio being read out. <laughs> it feels like magic. I know, I know. Everyone says, oh, yeah, right? It's like, oh, that's me? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That, that's a whole lot. We are happy that you have blessed us with your time. Yeah, I'm honored <laughs> that you invited me over. I mean, I really couldn't be prouder to be on the podcast with you. Thank you. So let's get right into it. Let's start with my first question, which is, where are you from? Where are you local? And what is your craft? Hi, everyone listening to us. by Lou Awofeso here. I'm, I'm a Yoruba guy from the western part of Nigeria, which is in West Africa. Uh, my parents are both Yoruba, but I'm proudly Nigerian. I'm a travel writer professionally, and I'm a tour guide, you know, as a side hustle. I'm also an author, you know, I've written a couple of books, all of them celebrating travel and destination Nigeria. It's what I've known, it's what I've done all through my career, you know, and it gives me special pleasure. I feel so very honored to be able to put myself out there and show the rest of the world what Nigeria is what Nigerians are, and what the rest of the world can enjoy from exploring different parts of Nigeria, which unfortunately continues to get negative press, you know, in the West. So you said you're, you're local in Lagos, I think? Yes, I'm local in Lagos, Lagos State, the, the biggest city in Nigeria, uh-huh. the entertainment capital of Nigeria. 
Tell us a little bit more about your Lagos. Okay, so um, I live in the capital of Lagos State, which is called Ikeja. Ikeja is the capital of Lagos. Ikeja, you know, is where almost a lot of things happen. It's the state of government. It's one of the central business districts of Lagos. There are a couple of others on the island, Victoria Island. The airport, the Muritada Mohammed International Airport, is based in Ikeja. So if you're flying into Nigeria, and especially you're flying into Lagos, you will arrive at the Muritala Mohammed International Airport, which is just a short drive, a 20-minute drive from Ikeja itself. You know, and then from there, you can explore further afield. And Lagos is divided broadly into two segments, mm -hmm. the Lagos mainland and the Lagos island. And that's because the island is separated from the mainland by the lagoon, which also flows into the Atlantic Ocean. So um, one of the ways to get from the mainland to the island or vice versa is to, to connect both ends of Lagos um, via bridges. And there are three different bridges connecting the both, uh, both sides of Lagos. Yeah, so that's basically it. Uh, generally, the belief is that the Lagos Island is for the rich and the powerful and, you know, the very influential. And then the Lagos mainland is for the, for the other half. But of course, it's also the base of the Nigerian media. The media in Lagos is concentrated on the mainland. And that's it. We, we believe we have more fun on the mainland. <laughs> the creative hub of Lagos. And I can argue that it's actually located on the Lagos mainland. Okay. We love the island, of course. Uh, we love every part of our city. But we try to also compete every now and then. We compete in a very friendly way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we are all, we are all like going Right. Here. I can understand that because the island seems more like financial versus, you know, the, the actual creative. There are creatives there, but it seems like it's more of the financial center with the banks and things like that. Okay. So a travel writer, how did you come to be, you know, brand yourself as, in, first of all, in journalism and media, and then just travel writing and make a living at it? Wow. Interesting question. So the thing is, um, I know I've been asked this question once or twice before, and my answer remains the same. I believe that travel writing chose mm. me. Yeah. It will come as a surprise to many that I'm actually a trained geologist. Oh, wow. I trained as a geologist, you know, for my, for my, for my graduate studies. Mm -hmm. And then in Nigeria, after you finish your undergraduate studies, you have to, you are signed up for a compulsory one-year service, you know, where you will be sent to a different region from where you come from, and you will be there for a year. In my own case, I was posted to a city called Jos, and Jos happens to be the capital of a state called Plateau, mm -hmm. you know. And Plateau, Plateau State, as it is called, has this reputation for having a temperate climate, a climate that is almost similar to what you'll find in the United Kingdom, for example. Mm. So in the colonial era, when the colonial officers could not travel to the UK for their annual holidays, they will go to just to spend that time because the weather, you know, was close, was the closest they could find to their own location. And so there's this history to that, to that I mean, there's this part of just that is that way. Besides that, it's also scenic. It's a very scenic city. You know, it's, it's a rocky terrain. It's, I mean, the, the, the rocky nature of just 
And the fact that it is usually very cold puts it in contrast with a city like Lagos, which is almost always hot, very humid. You know, so I got into that city. It was my first time in that city as an adult. And I was blown away by the atmosphere. I was blown away by the beauty of the city. And I was like, if I was, if I had not been sent over to this place as a core member, I mean, it's called the National Youth Service Corps. If I had not been fortunate to have been sent over to that place, I probably would never have known that Nigeria has a city this beautiful, has a city this inviting and welcoming. And so throughout my service here, one year, I found myself falling in love with this city. I found myself falling in love with the language they speak Hausa in that part of the country. I speak Yoruba. So I began to listen to what the locals were saying, and I was picking up the language. So it was, I, just, I just fell in love 100%. And I said, you know what, the only way I could share my experiences, the only way I could communicate all of my experiences in just Plateau State will be the only way I knew how to do it, to write. And so I began to take my notes, I began to jot things down, I began to explore the city and environs. You know, basically, it began with me, it began for me that way. I was not officially, or I, w- I was not formally a journalist. I was just a writer trying to document my experiences. And then after NYSC, came back to Lagos, worked a little bit, I couldn't stop thinking of the place, and I went back. And so I went back, I settled down there, and I began to see myself as both a writer and basically a freelance writer. And the only reason I became a journalist was because I needed an outlet for my writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. at that time, it's many years ago, it was, it was a period way, 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 way before social media, before the internet, before the World Wide Web, before Yahoo, before Gmail, before Facebook and Twitter and all of that. You didn't have all of these online opportunities to share your stories. Everything was analog. So I needed to look for a publication to write, I mean, to send my stories to, to send my writings to. And so I was lucky to find this newspaper published in JOS, you know, and that's how I began to send my stories to them. And I became a freelance contributor. And from being a freelance contributor, I became a freelance columnist, specifically about travel writing. I was just sending in travel experiences from that region. And so that's how my time or my life, as I mean, my life in journalism started. It was purely born out of love for a city in this country. Interesting. Yeah, which I felt more Nigerians needed to know about. So it's my love for Joss, my love for Plateau State that brought me to where I am today as a writer, author. Yeah, so I've interestingly, just recently listening to the radio here, they were talking about domestic tourism and how it can be very cost prohibitive for for people to travel locally or in the country, primarily because accommodation is very expensive. It's geared towards Westerners coming coming from outside. And so I'm curious about what you found traveling around Nigeria in particular about accommodation and also infrastructure and roads. I spent some time there. I've seen, you know, some roads. So what percentage of tourism in Nigeria is domestic and how do you see that changing or growing in the next you know, three to five years? Okay, that's a very tough question. Tough in the sense that, <laughs> you know, so Nigerians hardly travel around Nigeria. Yeah. And the only reason that they give, the constant reason, is that the infrastructure is poor, beginning with the road network. They say the road network is very bad. And they can't imagine themselves wanting to travel for pleasure, which tourism is about, and then having to struggle 
on a terrible road network. Mm -hmm. And then get to those locations, get all the attractions, and then finding them in a very terrible state. Yeah. So compared with Ghana, Nigeria's tourism industry is not that developed yet. It's actually painful for me to say that because Nigeria has all it takes to become one of the best countries on the continent for tourism and for international visitors. But that is not the case because we have not taken government, we have not taken tourism seriously. And so when ordinary Nigerians should be interested in visiting these places, they are put off by them. Mm. All right. Basically for that reason, the infrastructure is poor. Um, but for me, I do not see myself as a tourist. Mm. I see myself as a traveler seeking diverse experiences, wanting to learn more about the different parts of the country where I am not from. I'm Yoruba from the Southwest. You know, Nigeria is very huge. There are 200 plus ethnic nationalities in this country. We have 36 states in the country. Um, you can imagine the diversity that that entails. So I go out seeking to learn, seeking to appreciate what Nigeria has to offer, seeking to meet the people who I ordinarily would not meet in my day-to-day -day life and have conversations with them. And from their conversations, get to understand who they are, where they are coming from, what their culture is, what their history is. And that's so I don't really travel as a tourist, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why um, I'm able to do all that I've done. And again, I sometimes have to describe myself as a guinea pig. I go out there, find that information, get those experiences, write about them, have them published in, um, in newspapers and magazines and then online, and then hope that people are going to be convinced by my stories to the point where they will feel like, wow, this is a beautiful experience. I'd like to have this kind of experience as well. So that is the reason why I travel and write about my experiences. And in so doing, I hope that someday, someday, my, my, my writings, my stories will help fellow Nigerians have a rethink about why they need to travel. As much as I see and I appreciate that they want to travel for leisure, for enjoyment, to have fun, that is not happening yet because we haven't invested enough in the infrastructure. But the good thing is that things are happening already, you know, bit by bit, the infrastructure is getting better. More people are investing more in the hospitality sector. We are having a lot more investment in entertainment. So entertainment is thriving in Nigeria. Mm. You know, it is, you know, you know, entertainment is becoming a huge and Nigerians have embraced their culture. They have embraced their music. We have embraced our movies. We have embraced our comedy. We have embraced everything that has to do with entertainment. And I think that will naturally evolve to us appreciating our assets in the area of tourism, in the area of tourist attractions. But for that to happen, those places have to be improved by investment. Mm. So we are still a long way off. Mm. But I, I believe that, you know, in the near future, the story will be better or the story will change for the better. Sure, sure. Makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned you settled in Joss and then now you're in Lagos. So here's my why the where. How did you come to be living, working and playing where you currently are? Okay, so well, I mean, I was born and raised in Lagos. All right. Mm -hmm. um, the only reason why I left was because I needed to go and serve okay. for that one okay. year. And as a matter of fact, my plan, my plan, I haven't stumbled on Joss. I would say I stumbled on that city. I was so in love that I really wanted to stay back there and not return to Lagos. I wanted to settle down there, raise a family, and just become a Josite, yeah. you know. 
Um, and I lived there for two years and a half. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, it was difficult for me to sustain myself mm. from just writing. There were even so many opportunities. And Lagos is where the opportunities are. Right. And so sometime while I was in Jos, I got an offer to become a full-time journalist for a publication. So I had to live my life as a freelance writer back in Jos. And then I came back to Lagos and I got ingrained back in the system. And um, I've been out and about. I've been out of the city a couple of times, lived in other parts of the country and always have to return to Lagos. Okay. You know, so it's the way it has been for me. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. So you had that opportunity, you came back and then you become an award-winning journalist in travel writing. So uh, so how did that come about? How did you become yeah. recognized by, you know, CNN and multi, multi-choice and, and how did that all precipitate? That's one thing I would never, ever, ever, ever forget. You know, so at this point, um, so this all award thing happened in 2010. Um, the year previous, I'd resigned. Okay, so like I said, I've lived elsewhere in, um, in Nigeria. So at some point again, I left Lagos and traveled to settle down in a city called Potaco, oh, okay. mm-hmm. where I'd been invited to come edit a magazine, a, pan, a, a Pan-African magazine. They wanted to promote Africa. They wanted to promote the best of Africa. So it was almost like they were going to do the same thing for Africa that I've been trying to do for Nigeria all along. You know, write about the good things, write about the elevating things, write about everything that is good, you know, about the country. So they wanted to do that for the continent. So I said, I'd like to go to where they want to be talking about positivity, you know. And so I relocated to Podakot and I lived there for three years as the editor of that magazine. Mm. And so I got fed up, I got bored, I got tired. I was like, you know what? I think I'm done here. There's no more challenge for me. And so I resigned and I got some sort of severance package. Basically, outstandings that had been owed to me. Okay. And I was paid in a lump sum. And so I thought to myself, would I rather go to Lagos and then blow all of this money? Or do I want to invest it in something that will yield down the road? And so I decided in favor of the latter. I said, you know what? I think I'll take this money. It's a lot of money. Let me explore some of the other states in the country that I had not been to before. And that's how I launched a project which I tagged the Beautiful Underbelly Project, which was me basically being around the country and finding, you know, travel experiences. And so while I was doing all of that journey, a publication started to, I mean, somebody began, I mean, so this publication started to publish in Lagos, two, three, four, next. And I reached out to the travel editor, to say, look, I'm traveling. Since you have a travel section, I believe you in these stories. And I can supply you with some travel stories from the road. And the editor liked the idea. And she said, please send them in. So I began to contribute from the road to this publication. And then later that same year, I'm talking about 2009 now, the CNN Multi-Choice Africa Journalist Awards, the prestigious award that was held annually, announced its call for entries. And like everybody on the continent will do, everybody will send in our entries. And I took about four stories that I'd written from my trips on the road and submitted them as my entries for the year. And the nominations were announced in January, I mean, in 2010. And then the award ceremony were done in Kampala, Uganda, you know, in May. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, there I was in 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 the hall when the announcement for the travel category was announced. And it turned out to be my stories. Oh, nice. You know, I heard of stories from other, yeah, my, I heard of stories by colleagues from East Africa, 
um, maybe like West Africa or whatever. That was a very proud moment for me because, mind you, Nigeria is not that kind of country you would say is a tourism country. Right. Uh-huh. So for for the panel, for the jury to look at my stories, to be so impressed by them, to be so moved by the stories, to say these stories, you know, beat all these other ones, all the other contenders in that category. And so we are awarding this prize to Pelua Ofeso. That was, for me, you know, a major achievement. And it made me just believe more in the potentials of the domestic tourism space. And um, of course, when you win an award like that, it transforms you completely. It is a watershed moment in anybody's career. And I think people began to respect me more. They began to, you know, they began to just say that, yeah, you know what you've been doing all along. This prize just goes to, you know, prove it. That, yeah, you are good at what you do. Your, your vision is right on point, you know, and that kind of award just makes you want to stay on track and not lose focus. Um, I'm happy that I haven't gone off track 12 years later. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So it's very interesting. So, so awards are, are wonderful in that sense that they actually help you to solidify your place in an industry and to then, of course, bring more work your way. And so since that time, you're still freelancing, you've worked for some other media houses. What have been your most rewarding stories or experiences since receiving the award or stories, stories that you've, you've written? That's right. Mm-hmm. There have been so many of them, really. And I hope I can actually just maybe mention a couple of them since receiving the award. You know, so, so I've, I've really, you know, it's difficult for me to really mention which and which. There are so many and they are almost like in the haze right now. But I'll tell you one or two things. Between then and now, I've been fortunate to have traveled extensively in Western Nigeria, which is where I'm from, Yoruba land. Usually when I travel, I read, I travel because I want to tell a story that promotes Nigeria. But in the years that came after the award, I began to realize that I didn't really know so much about my own heritage. Yeah, I was brought up like a, I mean, I was brought up properly as a Yoruba child, but there was so much, there is so much about the history of the Yorubas, the culture of the Yorubas, the spiritual practice of the Yorubas, all kinds of things about the Yoruba people that I didn't really know so well. And so I began to travel in this region and I began to get deeper into all of these little bits of detail. And so many years on, I'm proud to say that I don't know more about the Yoruba people of Nigeria. And the only reason why I can say so is because I travel to hear the stories. I travel and I research. My research fits into my traveling. My traveling fits equally into my research. So I've been able to combine the two to, you know, improve on my knowledge of the Yoruba people as well as the other people from other parts of Nigeria. Because when I travel, essentially, what I'm trying to do is to dig into those people's stories. And they tell me so much that I eventually write about. The only thing that that kind of, that I added was to now focus my energies more when I travel in the Southwest because I'm a Yoruba person. I need to know more about where I'm from. I need to know about my own roots, about my own heritage. And so I've done that. So those have, those have been fulfilling for me. So I've seen more festivals. I've seen a couple of coronations. I've seen, I've spoken with indigenous religion practitioners. I've interviewed kings. I've interviewed royalty, you know, all in an effort to understand more about the Yoruba worldview. And I continue to study that subject up until now, all right? So, and one of the highlights of that 
was that I got to travel in some very rare places. Um, Yoruba land in the 19th century was beset by a lot of wars. People were just fighting wars with one another, you know, blood against blood, brother against brother. So the whole of Yoruba land in the 19th century was a theater of war. I was lucky, unfortunate to travel just after the COVID-19 pandemic to visit some of those places where the wars were fought, bitterly fought, you know, still very well preserved 130 years later. You know, so those have been really very, you know, uplifting moments for me, being able to travel to learn, to travel, to gain more insight, and then to travel and share from my experiences with people, uh, with fellow Nigerians, with fellow Africans, and people around the world in general. It's really very, you know, fulfilling to be able to do that as a human being. Oh, wow. So with that in mind, you know, you had this this gentleman who traveled across the region to come and do something and make an impact. And obviously there was a mindset that was part of that. So this is where I want to ask you about your favorite mindset hack, one that you know of or one that you imagine kind of mindset hack. And that's something that you use to reset your mind, to reset your ideas, to just kind of get you in the zone, that type of thing. Okay, I think uh, my mindset act, I, I, I think I would like to quote something that I phrased for myself, which I think has happened mm-hmm. from living life and experiencing life. And that phrase or the act will be, find yourself, I think is the ultimate hack mm. that I believe we all can use. Society is filled with so much. Your parents telling you to do this, your friends trying to convince you to do this, your colleagues trying to suggest this and that to you, and you now trying to figure things out in the world. You know, you have to look within yourself, look at you. What are your influences? What was your upbringing like? Mm-hmm. What are your interests? What are the things that make you, you know, I mean, go gaga in a sense. Go, go gaga means you may happy and fulfilled. So to go far in life, to achieve a lot in life, you can be influenced, you can be inspired by people that you look up to. But at the end of the day, we all have our different journeys. We have our different paths to follow in life. It is important as individuals for us to find ourselves, to know who we truly are, and then act in sync with who we are as a person. Understand who we are mm-hmm. and let that be the basis for what we do, for how we relate to people, for the kind of steps that we take, and the decisions that we make. You know, And that actually came to me strongly at this period when the World Cup is ongoing. You know, some things have happened during this World Cup that have made, made me to believe even more in that belief, almost like a defining phrase. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Especially, you know, it's apropos for the moment that we're in. You know, everybody is really engaged in the sports of the world. Well, a lot of the world. I won't say everybody. And, you know, it's, it's something to think about when we're trying to be our best. So I like that. So as we, we've had a wonderful conversation and we know you as this travel writer, which is kind of a, you know, I'm sure a lot of what you do is not, doesn't feel like work. So I always like to find out who you are when you're not, when you're, when you're not working, being a travel writer. And what are some of your favorite activities? And then if you are a reader, watcher, a listener, what are some of your favorite reads, watches, or listens? Ah, uh, I'm, I'm a reader. Um, I'm not a mm-hmm. writer. 
And uh, what do I read? I read a lot of nonfiction. Okay, sure. Yeah. I'm a nonfiction guy. I really am not into novels. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I read novels every now and then, uh-huh. but I learn more. I believe I learn more from nonfiction writing. Sure. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, travel writing is basic. I have to read that yeah. to be better at what I do. But I also read a lot of writing by other people. For example, I've just finished reading Still Like an Artist, mm-hmm. you know, and basically it's a book you know, written for creators, people that create, creative spirits. And I, 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 I picked a lot from what the guy um, has to say about how to create what we have to create, why we should create things, and how to start from the best people mm-hmm. in our field. That was mm-hmm. a refreshing mm-hmm. read. Mm-hmm. Before that, I was reading a quite a Maze's book, Dear Centurion, or Dear Centurion. Centurion, it's a very, it's, it's an mm, odd word. Akweke mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. is a Nigerian based in the US, I believe. Yeah, and I've read quite a lot of them. I just can't remember them now, but I've read quite a bit this year. Some of them I read for research, some I read for fun, for leisure. Well, we'll have, we'll have some of your picks and show notes and a lot of other interesting information from all your travels, which have been so informative. I've just really enjoyed just learning, particularly more about Nigeria and just the profession of being a travel writer. It's, it's wonderful. So I don't want to take too much more of your time. So before we sign off, I want to ask if you have any final thoughts to share with our audience today. Thank you very much for having me on this conversation. My final thoughts will be that um, I'd like to speak to mm-hmm. Africans, fellow Africans at home and in Dallas and in the diaspora. Africa needs us now more than ever. Yeah. Our continent is yeah. going through so much. The continent is experiencing a brain, brain drain unlike, unlike ever before. Africa is losing its best brains, its best people, its best young people. Mm-hmm. I don't hold, I mean, the people have to travel because they know they need to be in a better place. But as we leave the continent behind, let us not forget that the majority of Africans need us to be back. The majority of Africans need Africa to be a better place to live in. We all don't want to leave mm-hmm. our continent. We all don't want to leave our own you know, place of birth yeah. to relocate permanently to another world. We would love to travel back and forth, but we also need our continent to be better. I will urge everybody to keep Africa top of mind. So that we do whatever we do out there in the world, let's look back home and see how we can improve our own society. And our society will only improve if we begin to take leadership more seriously. Africa is suffering from poor leadership. And I believe that the Africans in the diaspora have a major role to play to help us set our leadership right. The moment we get the leadership's question right, Africa will be the darling of the world. Yes. Africa will be the power it's meant to be. Africa will be an influential continent. And Africans will not be treated like trash whenever they have to be anywhere in the world. That is my final take. And I will hope that this resonates widely among fellow Africans yes. on the continent and abroad. Wonderful. Wonderful. Those are wonderful thoughts. Thank you for that because it is about leadership. And I think your writing is is part of that leadership and it's part of encouraging and inspiring young people to to think about a way to be different. So thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for your questions, for your patience, and for giving me this opportunity to share my thoughts with your audience. 
Wonderful, wonderful. All right, folks, this has been another episode of the podcast. You can catch us Tuesdays with new episodes at GlocalCitizensPod.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. Have a listen, write a review, share with your friends. So until next time, bye for now. <laughs>